Well, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. We'll be looking at a couple things from 9 and 10 today. The message is called, He Knows Your Name, because he does. And the reason this came up was that when we begin to look at this story that begins in Acts chapter 9, we begin to see that God knows people's names. This is the story about Cornelius. Cornelius is kind of a funny name. I think Cornelius, was that the name of the little elf in Rudolph who like, was it, wanted to be a dentist? That's the only time I've ever heard anybody named Cornelius. <laughs> it wasn't even in a real situation. But um, there's a scripture that I want us to focus on. In the beginning of this book of Acts, there was a promise that was given by God, and it had been given way back in the Old Testament. And it says this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. So this is the promise of Pentecost. This is the promise of the Spirit. Sometimes we can read through a passage like that and not pick up on some of the specifics. And I feel like the Spirit of God wants us to really slow down. That's my theme this year, right, with you. Slow down and notice. Notice something with me. It's this this phrase, all people. These two words, all people. In the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all people. That's a big change. Remember, we talked about that. In the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, his spirit was given to kings and prophets and priests and sometimes judges in the book of Judges. But given very specifically for a purpose, very specifically for a time. And, and the spirit could be given and also removed. Do you remember King David? He cried out, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Under the new covenant in the blood of Jesus, we receive the gift of the spirit. And it's for all people. You don't have to be a certain tribe. You don't have to be a certain nationality. You don't have to be a certain education level. You don't have to be, you know, really, really good person who did everything right your whole life, a goody two-shoes. You didn't have to be a really bad person either. You could be any. We already saw a really bad person just a couple chapters ago. Saul, who was killing Christians, who was against the church, met Jesus. And when he met Jesus, he used his name. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, he didn't say, hey, you, mister, whatever your name is. He said, Saul. He knew Saul's name. In Damascus, in chapter 9, verse 10, it says that the Lord spoke another name. That man was Ananias. We'd never heard of him before, and we didn't hear from him since. Ananias, I need you to do something for me. Go and you know, meet Saul and, and take care of him, right? So that we know that God knew Ananias' name. In chapter 9, verse 34, the Holy Spirit spoke 
through the Apostle Peter, but it's still the Holy Spirit speaking because he says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Now, the only way that Peter could have known that is that the Spirit spoke that to him. Get up, take your mat, and walk, right? In, in Acts chapter 9, verse 40, the Holy Spirit, again, speaking through the apostle Peter, speaks to a dead woman, a corpse. And when he speaks, he doesn't say, excuse me, ma'am. He says, Tabitha, Tabitha, get up. And she comes back to life again. In Acts chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, where we're reading today. In Acts chapter 10, he says this. I'll start in verse 3. One day at about 3 in the afternoon, this man named Cornelius had a vision. And he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, what does he say? Cornelius. He uses his name. He uses his name. And then just a little later on, when Peter has his vision, starting in verse 9 of that same, he's also spoken to. It says there was a voice in verse 13. Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. We'll talk about that some more next week. But, but I want you to notice the names. The individual names. Because God knows your name too. Sometimes we think because, maybe because when we come together, we're kind of in a little bit of a crowd. We think, oh, you know, I'm just sort of hidden in here among all these people. But God sees each and every one of us. He sees Linda. He sees Matt. He sees Lila. He sees Nuno. He sees Tatiano. He sees Carlos. He sees Elizabeth. He sees Jim. He sees Maggie. He sees Heather. He sees Miles. He sees Diane. He sees John. He sees Tanya. He sees Jeff. And he sees every single one of you. There's something about our names. When we are called by our names, it can either be a joyful experience or a terrible experience. My name when I was young was Tommy. So Tommy could be said, Tommy, or Tommy, right? And your name can be said the same way, right? Rick, or Rick. (laughs) It's like a sharpness to it. Right? So sometimes there can be a terrifying experience. But there's nothing more personal than being spoken to by your personal name. Because it's your identity. It's what you identify yourself as or to is that name. You know, it's funny. Have you ever been called by the wrong name? Happens to me about once a month. Guess who I get called? Pastor Dan. I mean, Pastor Tom. Pastor Dan, I mean, Pastor Tom, you know, about once a month. No, I'm not insulted by that. I'm actually flattered, you know. But when we're called by the wrong name, it does jar our, 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 our experience a little bit. You know, you, you're wondering, like, should I tell them? Should I say, like, oh, no, my name's actually Tom, but, you know, thanks for calling me. You know, so, so it, it, it's a personal thing. 
God doesn't make that mistake. God knows your name. He doesn't call you by the wrong name. He knows how to pronounce your name if you have a difficult one. He, he gets it. He gets you. Because God knows your name and he's continually attempting to have that loving relationship with you. A personal relationship. It's not just corporate. You're not a number to God. You're a person. You're a person. He doesn't say, hey you, what's your face? Come here. There's a lady in the church who likes that phrase, what's her face? She says it a lot. She can't remember someone's name. She says, oh, you know, what's her face? And I go, no, I don't know what's her face. You got to be a little more specific than that. Help me out a little bit. You see, we're not a number to God. He knows our name. He handcrafted you, scripture tells us. You're like a, a masterpiece, an original, a one of a kind made in Christ by God Almighty. You're a masterpiece. Yeah, we're different. We have different gifts. We have different personalities. We have different life experiences. We've been given different opportunities, but God loves us all deeply and has a particular purpose in mind for each and every one of us in the love of Christ. He wants to involve us in his great plan for mankind. There's nothing so upsetting as waiting to be called and missing the call. May not have happened to you. It happens to me on occasion. I'm not paying attention in the waiting room, at the dentist or at the doctor, or recently it was at the RMV, registry of motor vehicles, and there they give you a number. So it's not your name that you missed. It's your number, and it goes up on the screen, and you're waiting, waiting, waiting. You know, it's like 01475. 01475, you know, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and then you take a phone call, and you're not looking at the screen, and then you look back, and they've passed your number. You missed it. You got to go back to the window again, and you got to start all over again, and get another number. It's nothing more upsetting than missing the calling of your name. What I believe the Spirit of God wants to say to us, to you, and to me this morning is that some of you are missing the calling of the Lord. He wants to be personal with you. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to hear him. He wants you to respond to his calling and respond to his love. But you're missing it. One of the things that Sister Jean just shared with us was was about trying to put some things aside to make room to spend time with Jesus this month. As we approach Thanksgiving, maybe it's, you know, your time on Facebook. Maybe it's the Candy Crush thing. Maybe it's one of those TV shows that, you know, you, you start binge watching or whatever. But, but putting those things aside so that you can fill up on Christ. That's what true fasting actually is. It's not necessarily about food or it's not a diet plan. It's, it, to fast is to set aside time to really focus in on God and let him focus in on you. Because so often when I spend time with God, he starts working on my stuff. I would like him to work on you and the church stuff and my family stuff. But a lot of times he'll say like, ah, yeah, before we do that, let's just talk about you. 
no, not again, you know. But it's good, it's good. It, it frees me up, it gets me out of my stuff and where I need to be in growing in him and maturing in him. You see, often we think that like when we look at a flock of sheep, we just see like a big flock. We don't see like individual sheep, right? And sometimes we think that God sees just a big flock, a flock of sheep. It's like, oh, those are my people. And he does, but he doesn't. He does in the sense of he can see all of his people at once. But unlike us, he's able to see each one of them individually. God has a big flock. God's got a lot of people in his family, a lot of people that he desires to bring in. See, when I see a flock, I don't see a sheep. I just see a flock. They, they, they don't look any different than each other. I mean, look at that picture. It's just a bunch of sheep. They all look alike. When God looks at it, he sees one. He says, you know that one with that little mark by his ear? That's Amos. And that one over there with the crooked teeth? That's Betsy. And the one over there with the long tail? That's June. You know, and, and God knows each one specifically. The one with the ears up, one ear up and one ear down? That's Esther, Right? Because God knows his sheep. How do we know this? Because in John 10, 3, it says, He calls his own sheep by name. Each one of them by name. See, we're missing that sometimes because we're not listening for our name. Think of how many times in Scripture God interrupts someone's life by speaking their name. Samuel, when he was a young boy being raised in the temple in the Old Testament, God calls out to him, Samuel, Samuel. And he runs to Eli. He's like, Eli, what do you want? And Eli's like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Then he goes back and forth. You know, you know the story. That's not the message this morning. But, but we can mistake his calling if we're not in tune with him. He knows our name. He's our good shepherd. He's not a lazy shepherd. He's not a distracted shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He knows every face. Every one of us is different. Every story is different in our lives. Every face that he sees is the face of his child. How many of you who have had children actually really forgot your children's name? Now, I know sometimes you get them confused. And you call one by the other, because my wife and I do that a lot. Josh is Jeff, and Jeff is Josh, you know, because they both have J's, I guess. But, but we actually know their names. We do not forget their names, right? So God is like that with us. When you're his child, he knows your name. He does not forget your name. He doesn't even get it mixed up like us humans do. So I'm here this morning by the Spirit to tell you that God sees you. Each and every individual one of you. Jesus sees you. He's not bored with you. He's not turned away from you. He sees you. Whether you're in a good place today or in a bad place today, he sees you. He saw Cornelius. Cornelius was just going about his, his daily duties, right? He's going to take some time and set aside for prayer. Next thing you know, an angel shows up and says, Cornelius. 
Have I got an opportunity for you? Right? He knows his sheep, and he calls them by name. Every single one of them is known by God. This is why Jesus, when he tells the story, the parable in Luke 15 of the lost sheep, he says, you know, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and you lose just one. Don't you then leave the 99 out there in the open country and go after that one lost sheep until you find it? See the value? He's got 99. He could probably still survive with the 99 very well. But he knows that one is lost and needs him, needs to be brought back to the safety and the provision that only God can offer. So does he not go and look for that sheep? Of course he does. The answer is yes. And the amazing thing about that, despite the large number, a hundred, is that the shepherd will know which one is missing. Why? Because he doesn't look at them as a flock. He looks at them as individual sheep. Like if I had a hundred, if I had 99 sheep, you know, coming in the door, I don't know that I would notice that one is missing. I'm not God. God is so great. God is so able to be above and beyond the way that we are in our thinking. He notices when one is missing. We're called to be like God. We are not God. And we have a long way to go in maturing. But he's calling us to realize that every one matters. Every last sheep. Even the one with the crooked teeth. They're precious to God. Precious to God. He named them. He saved them. He brought them to himself. Church, we're called to be like Jesus in this way. And many of us are failing. We're not in step with the Spirit. Just take one minute and do this little experiment with me. Look around. Look around the room. Up and down, up and down the aisle. Come on. Your neck can turn. You're not that old. Turn your neck. All right. Look around. Okay. So, So the experiment is, is this just a group of people? Or when you look around, do you see individuals who you know by name? And then do you see some individuals who you don't know by name? Maybe they're a guest here this morning, so you haven't met them. Maybe they've only been here a month or two. You haven't met them yet. We should know their names. We should learn their names. We should be like God and and care about each and every one. When a community actually develops that kind of atmosphere, it grows. Because people have a hard time feeling like they belong. There's so many things in our psyche and in our emotional self that makes us feel distant, rejected, not wanted, not valued. They're not all true. Many of them are lies. But we need to work against that lie and value one another, care for one another, love one another as Jesus commanded us to. Now, it's hard because some of us tend to forget names. I'm one of those people. You could tell me your name. Five minutes later, someone says, who's that? And I go, ah, uh, 
I think it was, I can't remember, you know. So we have to work. We have to ask God to help us. We have, to, we have to get to the point where we're not as forgetful. But the good thing about our God is that he never forgets. In fact, it says in Isaiah 49, verse 16, See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. This might be a way to remember names. When someone says their name, just turn around, get a pen, and write their name on the palm of your hand. At least it'll be there until you wash it off, right? God has engraved our names on the palm of his hand. I mean, can there be... A closer, closer place. Now, it's interesting. I was thinking about this this week. That's actually a really good place to put it. Because if I put it like on my forehead, I'd have to look in a mirror to see it, right? If I said, oh, I wrote your name on my heart, I still wouldn't be able to see it myself. I want to be able to see it. So every time I use my hands, I see the name. There it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. Can you imagine that God, every time he uses his hands, you know, he's seeing your name? It's there. Engraved, engraved. I don't know if it's, that's with a, a tattoo pen or with just a regular, you know, ballpoint pen, but it's engraved on the palm of his hand. Your name, your particular, specific, unique, beautiful name. I'm not trying to give you a big head. What I'm trying to do is help you to see your value in Christ. It is because of Christ and his goodness to us that God even cares about us. Christ rescued us and redeemed us, and now we are his children. Before that, we were enemies of God. But now we have been redeemed and turned into his family members, his children. Think about this for a minute. Have you ever seen your name in a very special place? You know, for instance, on a diploma on a wall or, or on a trophy. There's something, there's something about that. It's not, it's not a bad thing to have a, a sense of, wow, I, I did that. I, I graduated from grad school or I, or I graduated from high school or I, I got that certificate with my name on it. There's something about that that helps us to feel special and to feel honored. So think for a moment. We've heard already that he calls his sheep each one by name, so we're on God's lips or on the tip of his tongue, and that now he's engraved us on the palm of his hand. Can that be? Can you accept that? Some of you have so much rejection and so much hurt on you that it's hard for you to accept that. You, you think about the other people in the room and say, well, probably those people. Probably he likes those people that much. He loves that. But, but probably not me. We just saw his arch enemy, Saul, rescued, redeemed, brought from a kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. His very enemy is now his friend. Don't believe the lie that God doesn't value you. He sent his son for you. He loves you. You know, when King David, he wrote a psalm, he, he wrote this psalm and said, um, when he scanned the night sky, he looked at how big it was and, and, it, and he felt so insignificant. And he wondered why God would even think of mankind. Who is mankind that you would even think of me? And in that, in that verse, the word man 
Who is man that you would think of him? Is, is a term, enos. Enos is a Hebrew term, which means an individual person. So who is, who am I, this individual person that you would even think of me? The son of man that you would be there caring for him. Now, son of man, we know that phrase because that was also used for Jesus and, and by Jesus. But in this, in this Hebrew, all it means is mankind at all. All of us. Why would you care for us? It is a marvelous thought that even though we're weak and even though we're broken and even though we're sinful and even though we can be his enemies, he loves us. He cares for us. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message we need to hear. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and as they do that, I'm going to go through a few scriptures because I want you to see this on these following slides. So, so on, in Psalm 103, 103, it says, He, this is God here, God made us. We are His. We are His people. We are the sheep of His pasture. And we're not just a flock. He knows each one of us. Right? In Psalm 138, 8, it says, The Lord will fulfill his purposes for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, it endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. We are, we are the works of his hands. In fact, Ephesians 2 tells us that. So he will not forsake us, for we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them, so that we could do them. He created us for his glory, right? And even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, Ephesians 1 says, even as he chose us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. You see, it's in love that he predestined us. For adoption as sons and as daughters through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will. This is what he wanted. So often we have it reversed. We think, well, I want all of these things from God. God wants stuff from you. And he was there first planning it all out. And Philippians 1, 6 says, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. At the day of Jesus Christ. Cornelius. I want you to take a minute. It's not going to take a minute. A second. And just say your name out loud. One, two, three. Thomas. Let's do it again. One, two, three. Thomas. You heard yourself say it, and maybe a few people around you. God heard every single one of you. He knows your name better than you know it. He designed you. You are his workmanship. He created you for a purpose and part of his plan. And he's working that out because he's faithful to do that. So as you look at, at Peter, and as you look at Cornelius, and as you look at Ananias, and as you look at Saul, and as you look at these people, I want you to realize God just doesn't see like a a nobody in you. Just like in these people, he sees somebody. Somebody who he created to be a part of his plan and part of his purpose. And you need to be listening. 
You need to be aware that he is calling out to you. He calls out through his word. He calls out through prayer. He calls out through fellowship and through, through the community of believers. He calls out even through the situations in your life that bring you into these interesting places. And as you call on him, he will call on you. James chapter 4. We're not going to go into it, but I want you to have it for homework. How's that? A little bit of homework. James chapter 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It says, wash your hands, O sinners. So there's, there's a process that you can look at for drawing close to God, for assuring yourself that he's at work in you as his workmanship, his desire to use you. James reveals that sometimes your prayers aren't answered because your motives are wrong. He says, you ask and you don't receive because you want to spend that on your own selfish desires. So there's things that we can examine with the Spirit, through the Word, that can help us to draw closer to God so that we do hear Him giving us direction, pointing us in that direction towards that person to minister God's love over there and over there and there, to speak those words of truth. He wants to use every single one of us just as he used Cornelius and Ananias and even Tabitha and the others. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you know us, you created us, and in Christ Jesus, you are making us into a masterpiece. Hard for us to believe sometimes because we feel like we're a mess, but you are at work through the circumstances of our lives, through our personalities, through our strengths and weaknesses to create your glorious plan to bring people to yourself, to make us witnesses, as this whole book of Acts tells us. We will be your witnesses here in our lives. So Lord, open up our ears and help us to do the work of opening up our ears so we can hear you as you direct us through life this week. In Jesus' name, amen.